Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Something and then corn ethically. I'm sure yeah. you could have some lawyer or something up <clears> that you need to have. Get out of jail. Well, for your I card. mean, but still, you you see them little uh, the the corn dispensers like I see them up in Georgia, right? It's like the same same thing right. as the ice dispensers, right? You got to bring you. your own container. Hang on, you got to bring your own container. But you, you go got buy a wrong. bag of corn, and it's like what? How much is a bag of corn? Ten bucks. Probably bucks. more now. Yeah. yeah. Last so, time I bought corn, it was like, at like seven, but it's probably around ten now. But even then, to go and get, you're getting less corn out of that machine you are in a bag. You're getting only getting thirty or forty pounds instead of a fifty pound bag, and you're paying five to six dollars more for less corn. But it is, in turn, like because a lot of them places like where you ever we bought were buying corn, corn from one. No. Oh, I don't know how much. I don't know how much it is. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Bring it's less, your own bucket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but the thing too is though, a lot of places like where we were buying corn, we had to place it there in Georgia. They're not open on the weekend. Yeah. So if you're not there Friday to get corn, if you need to fill feeders back up, you ain't getting it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or you can drive. You could go there was early. It, Forty-five minutes. You could go the there place. early Saturday morning and buy corn. You don't have a tractor supply. They closed it like ten. No. There, there's, there's, a, there was a tractor supply. Oh, Rebecca. but it was like, but it's just as expensive as going to the corn place. But the I just corn find, thing. yeah, I don't. Well, that's what I mean. Is that it was? More I don't find that the corn supply. thing is a great discount. When they first came out, those big silos. Oh, them, it's, it's not a discount at great. all. They're not. So I just tractor supply, and the bags are all sealed up. Only way you're gonna get a discount on corn is to buy like a damn hopper. But it's oh. like, it's like putting putting an ATM. Uh, in a high risk area, like if, if you went down into a, a, a rougher neighborhood outside of a gas station and put a little ATM out there, is it more likely to get stolen? Hundred percent. But are you going to do a lot, pretty decent amount of transactions right there because no bank will put an ATM there? Yeah, you can charge four dollars as an ATM fee, and people are just going to pay it. I don't but think the corn, corn thing is going to get broken a, into. No, but it's a convenience thing, is what I'm yeah. saying. It's just a convenience of having it there when you can't get corn anywhere else. People will buy it. But the, I mean, the ice. What you talk about the ice machine? No, the ice machine is definitely a way better deal. Well, in Florida, you don't have it dispensed corn. You have dispensed soybeans. Oh, that's expensive as yeah. shit. Well, yeah. listen to me, people in Florida. When they're baiting, they don't always use corn. They use soybeans because the bears don't tear up the feeders yeah. that bad. Yeah, or you use mm. cracked corn. It's harder for the bears to eat it. Yeah. Mm. Or I've seen them get into cracked corn. Yeah, this is on private land. We use soybeans I'm instead just, of corn. I understand. 
Like I look, I I use corn in some of my stands in Georgia, and those I don't. You know, I find that. But do you have a bear problem? Thank God, no, and no pigs. Well, bears, every now, every now and again, a pig will show. One of those hats. Every now and again, a pig will show. I love up, this, but hat. it's usually short lived. Yeah, well, like, do I have more? Our problem there in Cassia was oh, the bears would like climb the pole and tear up the whole barrel. Yeah, I've had them get me in Cassia. I used to hunt in Cassia. Yeah. Oh yeah. What you got to do is find a landscaper during acorn drop that'll save all the acorns and fill up just a bunch of damn trash cans full of acorns. We did that like two years ago, went around all downtown Orlando. They got all the big water oaks and live oaks planted on the street. When they were in full drop, just stopped, swept them up. Each me and my buddy both filled up a whole garbage can full of acorns. You talking? Wait Put till wait there. till a good rain and get in the corner of the oh. street and just starts picking them out of the dang <laughs> yeah, storm drain <laughs> for real. And it was uh, I mean, it took some time, but you got some odd looks in downtown Orlando, you know, raking up other people's acorns and things. But they ate them. The hogs too, especially the deer oh, would pick yeah. them. But hogs, they'd come in there and just tear them up. Yeah, that's tear interesting. Up. So if you take acorns, drive them out to a WMA, throw them underneath an oak tree, are you baiting? Yes. Yes, I yeah. agree. You are, but <laughs> no, funny. actually. So I actually talked to a game warden about that who got a guy for baiting in Rock Springs for carrying acorns and hunting over acorns. Damn. Well, that's the problem. No, no whistle, no foul. Right. But mm. I don't know, man. Well, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. It was like the situation me and Matt were in. There uh, was a couple duck seasons ago. We were going to cut some oak limbs to brush in the blinds. Yeah, our boats and stuff. Cut the oak, cut the oak limb down. That's like a slap full of acorns. I don't know why anybody have to like. Bait oh no, it. is this considered baiting? <laughs> I don't know why anybody have to bait at Rock Springs anyway. Man, I hunted there last year. I was done ten minutes after sunup. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was talking sitting to, there talking to Will, going, "What are you waiting on, bud? I'm already done." <laughs> I was talking to Vincent Feltz yesterday uh, about deer hunting and and stuff and. Uh, you know, he's never killed a deer. I was like, well, man, I said, we got to change it this year if I draw some uh, quotas. And I said, I'll take you as my guest. I said, my guests seem to have pretty dang good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do the split the meat deal, you know. If you get a yeah. you get a deer on my quota, we split the meat. Yeah. I got four points if I don't draw Seminole Forest this year. Man, four points can't get you in a Sem Forest? That's crazy. I've got two for both muzzleloader and rifle. I'm putting for both of them. Ah, piss. I need to put in. I keep forgetting about that. You got till June so, 15th. I hate to tell you it's guys, but fast. At, at the point that you hear this, it's too late. It's too late. You done missed out. But there's always redraws. People turn, yep. you know, yep. quote us back in. You check for those on Tuesday. And for however much people hate on them, I'm telling you, I know a guy, he has gotten some stellar redraws. Oh, yeah. Year after year, dude. Because you get people that think they can go on a hunt and then find out that they got something scheduled that Mm -hmm. time and they turn it back in. The cousin posts the wedding invitation and they go, son of a... I actually actually (laughs) drew drew Dexter Mary on a redraw last year for rifle season Mm. um, with doe tags, but we we had to switch our Kentucky hunt dates. uh, So I had to turn it back in. Yep. Yep. But redraws are where it's at. Every week they change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the fun. You know, just because the first week what you wanted wasn't there, don't mean you shouldn't check back the next week. Oh, I'll put in for the Ocala pipeline again. Maybe I'll get lucky. 
Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot <laughs> to do that one this year. I meant like two years in a row. I put in for it. I put it on for it last year. It was like a leftover deal and got it. Yeah. And I'm like, and I hadn't even used it. <laughs> Steve. Years. I get it. It's it's the one, it's the one I to go, have in your back pocket. I need to go and put in for it for muzzleloader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That may not be bad. Yeah. Pipeline's got good deer. You just got to. Just got to find them. Kidding yeah. the boonies, yeah. Well, I mean, it may not be too bad for you know where to go for both season. But by the time the dog hunter, you just got to hook one right. They run one to you. You Don't. can still get in the boonies somewhere within the pipeline. I mean, yeah. I'm with you. Steve Christian put in for a redraw on a WMA out near Pinellas. Well, actually, it might have been a turkey redraw. But. The interesting thing about it is apparently the system was broke because he'd put in. It'd be like one tag he'd put in. He wouldn't get it. It would be there the next week. He'd put in. He wouldn't get it. It would be there the next week. This goes on for like eight weeks. <laughs> and and finally, finally we reached out to FWC and we're like, we, we think your redraw system's broken on this WMA because you have the, the – there's one tag that keeps saying that it's available. Right. And e- either it keeps getting won by people that are immediately turning it back in, right, or or it's not really available. Yeah. I tried to pay a lot of attention this year, more attention than I've done in the past, to uh, the dates that I'm putting in to make sure that if I draw multiple draws, they don't happen on the same weekend, <coughs> which some of, my, some of the draws I put in for – they happen on the same weekend. And if I draw them both, I know which one I'm turning back in. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, if I get that fortunate, then one of those is going back, but I know which one's going back. Yeah. So, but I don't know, we'll see. It's like they yeah. broke, literally broke the system for Gator Tag this year. <laughs> like they had, what was it, like 20,000 people put in? Like the mo- most they've ever had. Jesus. Put in for Gator Tag this year. That's going to that 24-hour thing. I'm not blaming I, it on that. I'm going to blame it on the air bows. Everybody had their air bows, and they're just ready to go. Yep. <laughs> Rip roaring. I don't know if shoot gators with an air bow. I saw a guy I don't know if it's air bows. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's either one of those two regulations. I think it's just that many people put in for it. I think that many people have boats this year. That's it very could, possible. That, uh, that could be another possibility. Um, like we talked about and uh, quite well, a few episodes back, COVID put so many people in the outdoors. I mean, I took... Several people, well, I mean, two people, for instance, I was talking about gator hunting, and they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, well, put in. You know, so you compound that by, you know, however many people, because they had quite a bit last year put in. You know, one of them almost more than normal years that people put in for it. So you compound that when you get new hunters that go and can have a boat and actually enjoy it and take other people. Then it compounds because then they put in for their own tags next year. I think it's the daylight. I think a lot of people thought that, well, now that I can hunt during the day, I'll either take a day off of work and I'll just hunt all day or I'll hunt during all day during the weekend as opposed to, you know, having to be out all night, which as we've already discussed ad nauseum was, I mean, I've killed gators at two o'clock in the morning, but you know, the reality I'll is, tell you is this. Okay. they don't come out again until like three or four in the morning. They're either right. out early or they're out late. And then at midnight time, you're just wasting time out there most of the time. Opening day uh, of the first phase this year. Well, actually, the, each phase, because it would end, that's 
it opens on a Monday now. Hmm. Now they changed it 24 hours. They opened it on a Monday. What were they opening it last year? Friday? Uh, Saturday. It been. It would have been Friday afternoon. Yeah. It would have been a yeah. fr- Friday at like 5 p.m. Yeah. So it runs Friday through Sunday now? No, it runs Monday. Or Monday through Sunday? Monday through Sunday. Hmm. A lot of these guides, too, you know, they've really been pushing the, you know, apply for your tags and we'll take you out. You get the tag, we'll take you out. I, I looked that up. Just it, it, it crossed my path and I said, well, maybe word's gotten out to a lot of folks that otherwise have finally figured out, all right, I need to get my tag and somebody will a guide the guide will take me out well, if I got my tag. You know? If you think about it, there's, that could be part of it. But they, a lot of people tried to blame it on people from out of state. Oh, all them non-residents taking up all the gator tags. Well, somebody they put an article out. It's like 1% of the tags given out go to a non-resident. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're so ate up about people putting in for non-resident gator tags and put in for them in Georgia and Mississippi. And mm-hmm. I did when you were living in Georgia. Yeah. I didn't get anything. Me either. But I was putting in for them. That would have been sweet. I knew where a monster was. <laughs> yeah. In Area 7. If you so don't, did, uh, if, so if did AJ. Listen, you're listening Unless in Georgia. Unless somebody caught that sucker yet. I was say, if you're listening in Georgia and you you draw Area 7 tags, this is a... Uh, Contact us and I'll I'll put you on where I used to know where one was. A Didn't years you try ago. to do that during the Georgia alligator season one year? And yeah, they were like nowhere like we did. Oh, My dad put in, I put in. No, no I tried to in. I tried to put somebody on that gator. He tried to like, put oh, somebody really? on that gator. The guy was like, nah, I don't I don't feel like hunting that spot. And I was like, dude, I've seen it. I have physically laid eyes on that gator. It's huge. Ah, that gator's been there for years. Ain't nobody gonna kill it. Like, oh, okay. Well, if you want to be that way, then. Why don't you go try, bud? Yeah. <laughs> you could be the dude. Yeah. There's plenty of uh, 13 and 14 foot gators that are killed every year. And uh, those gators have been there for years. Yeah. As well. <laughs> I mean, they do move around, but. Cameron, what have you been up to? I saw you there at the Mosquito County Hunt Club roasting up a pig. Was it last weekend? Yeah, last oh, weekend. Yeah, man, that looked good. My buddy threw a Memorial Day pig ro- Memorial Day weekend pig roast. And uh yeah, that was a lot of fun. Looked like it. Nothing like a pig roasting. Yeah. A lot of work though, boy, as you all well know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, I should have uh, come to your pig roast. Were you giving away a bow? Come there and win your bow. <laughs> 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 well, we were giving away as many bush lattes as you could drink. Oh, yeah, I spent the night. I moved my camper out to his property. Spent the night about 5.30 in the morning. We started stirring, waking up. It was the first time using this spit. It was a little electric spit. and We had some stressful couple of hours trying to get this pig rigged up on the spit and actually have it turn and stuff like that. There was that feeling, that sinking feeling a couple of times where we said, all right, it's going to be a pizza party and we're going to cut up these legs and give everybody a bag of meat, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this ain't going to work. But we, we got it to work. Sounds like well, you were just uh, roasting a pig and killing bluegills. <laughs> before we get before we get too much further, let me go ahead and introduce everybody. I'm your host, Will Krebs. We got Jordan. I'm here, and let's do it. Jim. Yes, sir. Briar is back from his hiatus. Yeah. No and, more studying. And we've got uh, we got Cameron Gordon in the studio this week. Cameron has now embarked on another adventure in the outdoors, and we're we're here to talk about it because we're all about it. Well, and I appreciate y'all having me. Good but, to be uh, here. Oh, we're excited for it, man. 
Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that was a good, good one. one. Felt the bass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell me a little bit about what you what you got going on here. What, what's the what's the basis of the whole idea you you've kind of kicked into gear here? Sure. Well, it's uh, it's 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 kind of multi pronged. All right. Let me start with the the personal element of it. You know, personally speaking, I'm a I'm a very busy person. I'm self employed, doing home improvements and breaking my neck, making people's houses look pretty. He had but, to take uh, a whole day off just to be here today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't going to work till midnight, but here I am. Uh, it, so so I I thought, man, on a personal standpoint, I said, wow, I really I want to get out to the woods more. I want to be there. I said, you know, I'm self-employed. Maybe maybe there's a way to integrate taking a day and not losing income and being able to actually just just uh be in the woods, do what I love and 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 not just make it cost me money. You know what I mean? So so that's that's kind of the one personal aspect of it. Also is that I uh throughout the years, you know, I've had to kind of teach myself how to hunt. I had to navigate myself through all the all the rules and regulations, the wildlife management area brochures, the season dates, the places, the the nuances. And uh, so being self-taught and having done it for a long time and really been into it, you know, even even in the off season, just, you know, just reading rules, looking at the brochures. And over the years, I started walking a lot of people through it. You know, I talk about hunting. People would say, oh, man, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come. Or I, I used to hunt. Or my grandpa used to hunt. You know, all the things that you hear. And uh and so over the years, I've just really gotten to enjoy showing people the ropes. And uh, when they express a little interest and I can bring them out and put them on something and walk them through it, uh, seeing their eyes light up and seeing that passion that I've learned to love kind of just come alive in them, uh, that, that, that's inspiring. It really is. I know it sounds kind of corny, but, uh, but you know, I just said, man, like, I, I, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so I just said, well... <laughs> I think the time has come to do it in somewhat of an official capacity and actually just, just make it official, put myself out there, be there for people. And, uh, in a, in a short note, and we can certainly elaborate on all these parts, but, but, but thirdly, there's a, uh, there's a little bit of an intimidation factor when it comes to the rules about hunting and, uh, some of the regulations and, uh, not really gray areas because they're written there, but, but even throughout the years, I've seen people, you know, kind of, you know, inadvertently breaking the law because they didn't quite understand right. the, the rules. And, uh, and I've also talked to some people who've just sort of started to get into it and their eyes kind of glaze over in the hunter safety courses, especially now being online. You know, I did mine in person. The online was, was not even existent when I took my hunter safety course and they, uh, they kind of don't really get into hunting because they just sort of, uh, you know, it, 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 it kind of steamrolls them a little bit. And I said, man, that's, that's really the catch is, I don't want to just be another guide that could put you on a beautiful deer and then nothing to them. That's great. You know what I mean? I've been on some high fence and some guided hunts and, and they've been wonderful. But I said, I want to offer a service that I teach you how to hunt. I walk you through all the things. I hold your hand. I'll meet you where you're at. And uh, after, you know, for a minimal fee, especially, you know, or because I've been doing it for free for so long you know what i mean and i still would occasionally but i just said man i need to offset this a little bit because uh there's a lot of folks asking me and there's a need for people to have someone kind of hold their hand help them navigate public land the rules show them some techniques and then teach them how to clean the game that they get 
Florida is uh, unique in the fact that maybe not entirely unique, but a lot of the states here in the southeast, <clears throat> when it comes to like hunting on a state forest or private land, for the most part, the rules are the same, except for like bait. Uh, take Georgia for example, your bag limits for private land and state land are the same, unless you're talking like a state for or a state park, you a state park hunt. But if you're going to go hunt any regular old WMA, they're the same as hunting on private land, except you can't bait on on WMAs. Mm-hmm. Um, you go up to Tennessee, and then that's just you know regionally. If you're in East Tennessee versus West Tennessee, what your bag limits are, and that's pretty clear cut. You can't bait anywhere there. But if you're on state or private, the rules are the same. Here in Florida, all of our WMAs and different state lands, they're all managed individually. So your bag limits are different. Your, you know, what you can kill size of deer versus this WMA versus that WMA. You can take does, not take does. Whether you get doe tags or whether it's just open for does when you're there to hunt, so on and so forth. They're all different mm-hmm. because they're managed individually instead of collectively. Yep. yep. Which is how you get those rules where it might have been legal here, but, you know, cross this boundary line over to the other one and it's not legal there. Right, so that that does create a bit of a uh, can create some confusion. Sure, and and you know, I mean, I've I've kind of been geeked out on it for so long that it, it it's second nature to me, and I and I know what to do. But I've bonafidely seen a couple people <laughs> over the years in in different ways just come close to really. Ooh, they'd <laughs> had a hell of a run in with a game warden, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. it was it was out of ignorance, you know what I mean? Not not you know a malintent by any means, but it's just. You know? I think all these laws and regulations they're they're not all exactly clear. I think I mean okay, they're written sorry. in in a in a lawful uh context. You got to be a lawyer to interpret it sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Well, it feels like it. A, a lot of times if the game warden knows can tell that you are genuinely just don't know, they they will write you a warning. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it depends on the circumstance of that you know they, they will write you a warning and and let you go because they they will educate you on the law and not just write you a ticket mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm certain like i said it depends on like now if you're out there and you've got 30 doves in your bucket <laughs> you're like well i thought the limit was 30 and he's like no i'm sure he ain't letting you go then but right right well like uh like this last year and uh you know the they shall remain nameless, you know, by all means, because it, it, it was a bona fide mistake. But a guy brought his dad out and I said, hey, I'm going to be at Triple N Ranch. You know, the small game season's wide open. You don't need a quota. But I, and I always tell people, I say, read the brochure. Read that brochure and print it out. Bring it with you. Like, just read read it cover to cover. It'll take you an hour, but just do it. And they're all kind of boilerplate, but except for the nuances between different areas, you know. And uh, and they said, yeah, we were walking around in mid-morning. I kind of caught up with him and he had his father-in-law out there and they were I said, yeah, well, you see anything? How'd it go? He said, yeah, well, we, we, we saw a big group of turkeys and this and that, but, you know, we were kind of chasing them around, and the one you know one of them was bearded for sure. And Now, this, this bear in mind, coincided with uh, fall turkey season. And uh, they said, well, yeah, we just couldn't couldn't get on them. I was like, turkeys? Whoa, buddy, it's small game season. What do you mean? You're not allowed to hunt turkeys. Like, well, I, I read the, uh, you know, the, the, the season dates, and it's fall turkey. I even looked at the map. We're in this zone or whatever. I think it's statewide, but uh, – 
He's like, I thought we'd do it. I was like, ah, read the brochure, man. Thank God you didn't shoot that turkey, bro. And if yeah. you did, well, let's have another conversation. But, uh, you know, just like, so it's little things like that. I, you know, I said, well, <laughs> I guess I had to elaborate more. <laughs> I, had, I got, I got yeah. a story like that, but completely the opposite. So I was hunting up on uh, Fort Campbell, and they had, a, at the time, had a fall turkey season. Um, and my buddy was out, and I was like, see anything this afternoon? He's like, nah. I seen about 20 turkeys and 20 hens. That was about it. I said, why didn't you shoot one? Well, it's not turkey season. I said, dude, it's fall turkey season. He's like, well, they're all hens. I said, yeah, you can kill 20 hens a day. What? <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah. And the, and the, if you're in an art, if you were in an archery only area, you could mm. kill 20 hens a day. Holy crap. Was, he was like, who in the heck is killing 20 hens a day? <laughs> Who the heck wants to clean 20 hens a day? <laughs> For real? I don't, I don't disagree, but man, how the, how the heck? If you... I can smack 20 hens, I'll figure out how to clean them. Yeah. <laughs> how My the wife will open the fridge and see them. a hell of a feathered mess. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure gonna... I got boys that'll come and clean, you know, yeah. two for one deal, you know. Yeah. How, <laughs> how are you going to manage to kill 20 hens? I clean hens two, I get one. Is that what you're talking about? How you, gonna manage, blow gun. how you gonna manage to kill twenty hens with a bow? Yeah, a blowgun. That's about the only way you can do that. If that's even a legal means to take, but I don't know. If you got the arrow just right, you might be able to get a good pass. A couple, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you still got to do that at least ten times, just like that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the same. So you perfect point. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, you know, you miss out on opportunities, or you get in trouble, or any number of things. And so I just said, well. And this is not shaming people by any means, mm-hmm. not shaming in the least, you know, uh, uh, but that's why I just said, well, maybe there's an interest uh, and it, I, I see the need, but also the interest to say, all right, you know, we, we sit a spell and, and I'm going to walk you through it and, and kind of hearing things and sort of having someone show you it sinks in a little bit different than just reading something on your computer and this and that. So I said, well, sometimes people just need some, some uh, reinforcement, some educating. Yeah. It's a lot more comfortable to be uh, in the woods somebody else as well, too. Well, I think especially if you don't, like, first time, never done yeah. it. You're like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe a little nervous. You know, there is that, you know, what if we're running the game warden factor, you know, especially for the first time. And if you have somebody with you that knows what they're doing and kind of showing you along. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like Cameron said, he's going to charge what not a massive nominal fee. A lot of people that are just now getting into it may not have, you know, that much. But if they right. can give Cameron his small nominal fee and yeah. have somebody to, man, that knowledge, that knowledge that you provide people is is worth may, way more than what people can pay for it. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking thing. maybe you want to go the other direction. Not, I mean, you can't price yourself out of the market, but what you have has value, and you're going to be somewhat limited commercially because I understand that part of this is your passion, right? But if you, if you don't charge enough, you're also not going to be able to deliver the experience because to deliver the experience has certain costs, right? Like, are you going to put together, are you going to put together for lack of a better term, a a nice textbook where you can have the, the brochures in there and then even show people, so something it's a takeaway. You're not just showing them one time and they walk away because they won't recall, recall. Mm-hmm. right? You can have something where you show them this is where you find this, this is where you find that. 
because you know it's almost like to figure out the brochures and figure out where to go look for things because it's not as intuitive as you think it's almost like learning how to speak another language but anyway i don't bog down on that there's still gonna be cost to doing business and you also get into this other thing that um if somebody pays very little for something how much do they really value it do they they just blow you off you know Oh, it's twenty bucks, and all of a sudden you're out there at five thirty in the morning waiting for them. They just don't show up because they they got a drink on last night. Right. It's all of those things. I mean, it's your business, right? But I I I would not go too cheap because you want you Find want you want clients that you want to spend time around. Sure. Right. They're going to value what you do. Right. Well, you know that's that's a perfectly valid point, and I I in my own business. Of uh, my primary business, you know, I, I, I it, people tell me all the time that I chronically undercharge, <laughs> and so, you know, that that that's something I'm conscious of. It's like you say, though, I don't want to price myself out of the market, uh, and and I, you know, ultimately it'll depend on where the need is, and so I'm th- I'm thinking there's going to be kind of some tiered packages that could that could cater to someone like because ultimately, you know, if if there's a a blue collar guy like myself that that just just moved to Florida, doesn't really know anything, or or he's been here, never hunted, has an interest, or they want to get their kids. I'm really kid heavy. Like I'm like, dude, teach your kids how to hunt. You know what I mean? I love that. And uh, and he or she is hard up for cash, but would kind of consider it. You know, I want to make it to where there's a viable option for them to come do it. You can always have a coupon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Um. So yeah, and then as far as the pricing goes, you know, that's that's that that's a hard thing to figure out because I've been, you know. Uh, lurking on all these outfitters and guides websites and things like that and then there's really no one that i can find doing what i'm talking about doing and secondly yeah i don't know man what's the uh what's it worth what's it worth so those are some things that i've got to uh got to navigate but the biggest thing is i'm willing to meet people where they're at and if somebody has a has a decent amount of money and they just really want to like you know they want the uh they really want a big mess of squirrel for their uh, Thanksgiving dinner to impress their relatives and have a great time and get their son into it. And they show up in that jacked up, nice new truck and they got the money. I said, well, you need the all day package. Right? <laughs> $10,000 bull yeah, Price varies per customer. You know, if it's the, uh, the 19, uh, 1990 Ford Ranger with the spare tire that rolls up, I say, well, you know, let's, let's start with a half day, brother. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's also a it's a new opportunity. So I say, man, go have fun with it, man. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I tell you what, not like you know, kind of knowing you on a personal level. There, there's a whole nother experience to having like a guide per se, and then just feeling like you know that guide personally through the whole day. And that's yeah. kind of like us fishing with uh, Captain, Captain McNutt. Captain McNutt. I mean, even the first time I ever fished with him, he was just a great, he was just a genuine I mean, guy. Just like you, like it's somebody that that person is not only there to teach you, but there to hang out with you. And Right. Yeah. What you're offering is a little bit of a different experience because most of the time when people hire a guide, although you always, if you, in fact, if you hire a guide and you're not paying attention to what that fellow's doing, you're, you're way, you're really killing you're, yourself. You're messing up. Yeah. But most of the experience if you hire a guide is not necessarily about teaching you how to do what they do. And I can even understand why sometimes guides are a little cagey. 
Sure. Right? Because sure. they want you to keep giving back. Keep you blindfolded till they get the nurse button. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, I mean, but that's how they make their But money. a lot of people aren't, aren't looking for that as consumers. They're hiring the guide because they're wanting the easy button. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, so it is about the outcome of, you know, I'm hiring you to go help me kill a deer because I want you to go put me out in a place where the deer is going to walk up. Right? Or... You know, we, we've hired guides to go hunting geese or cranes. And the guy, what you're really paying for is scouting and land access, right? But right. And decoys. Oh, yeah. And, and the Especially with geese by, decoys. By the decoys way, the, geese, yeah. Geese, and, yeah. Yeah, geese and crane hunting, that is the best bargain in guided hunts. Um, <clears throat> just the decoys alone. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you're not expecting that person to sit down with you and teach you how to go start out with how do you knock on doors and get permissions? And it was just that, you know, but that's kind of what you're Mm -hmm. offering. You're, you're not necessarily offering, you know, the, the trophy buck. You're offering the, the experience to the novice to say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to help you shorten your learning curve so that you can get right into doing what you want to do and have the outcomes on your own where somebody's not holding your hand the entire time. That's it. But hopefully I can get you from zero to relative hero in one or two sessions. Right. You're comfortable in the woods. You know how to navigate. You know how to navigate the, not just the landscape, but the, the internet. Um, you know what gear is essential and what gear is nice to have. You know, and just, you don't, you don't have to start out with first light. Walmart is great. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, Well, if, if, if I can take a few minutes and just paint this picture, all right, the, the, the picture that I see is let's just say a hypothetical here okay is uh you know a, a father and a son fairly new to it or hasn't done it in a long time whatever doesn't know the area you know researched it a little bit gone through got their license they had their hunter safety course but they're kind of like spinning their wheels as to where to go and we meet up and 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 for the most part it's, it's going to be public land unless you know mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple private spots that i have but for the most part it's public land so we meet up and we've had some conversations and at early pre-light, I'm going through a few of the things, making sure that they're, you know, before we even get out there, I'm going to make sure that they're legit is from a licensing standpoint and that they have a little bit of common sense when it comes to firearms, et cetera. Right. And, uh, and then we do a, a, a brief morning hunt and throughout that time, they're walking through the woods. They're learning about the different types of trees, some of the different types of signs what these things on the ground means, a funny little story about that plant, the history of the area. I show them the artifacts. Then we get a few, say, squirrels, and uh, and then they've kind of learned how to listen for them, how to look for that movement, where to get the shot. And uh, you get a couple, and then they're having a good time. They're pretty high on life, gotten a few. But we're going to go back to the camp or the, or, or the truck, and I'm going to teach them how to clean it. I'm going to teach them how to do some stuff. I'm going to leave them with a few recipes. And uh, at that point, take the time while we're just kind of uh, drinking coffee. I'll say coffee for the sake of lawfulness. You know, we're drinking coffee <laughs> on the tailgate. And uh, and at that Cold point, snacks. I keep walking through more rules. And I keep doing a deep dive. And I've got some stuff printed out. And so uh, so they're learning. And then I say, well, we can either cook this over a campfire. Or you can go home and you and your son can eat it because your wife ain't probably going to touch it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and then they leave. And I say, all right, here's a few other areas that are just like this. Here's some of the other rules. You can come back right here. Here's some other creeks. Show them a little bit of the, about the satellite scouting. 
And uh, so basically that person had a great time. They got some animals. They're, they're much more, they have much more clarity on the rules and they are prone to go to another area, knowing a little bit of the history by themselves to follow the week. So go. have you thought about maybe throwing it in there to like, Hey, if you're, if you want to come get a package, right. But you don't know, you're just getting into it and you don't know where to apply for. Have you thought about maybe throwing it in there with your packages that if, if you buy this package, I'll help you pick places within your area. I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to do that because they're not guaranteed that hunts that they applied for. But I know at times it can be intimidating to know where you're applying for, like what's in your area to apply for. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think, oh, sure. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Hold that thought for by all means. Yeah, but to, to, to that end, uh, yes, absolutely. And a lot of that would be, uh, especially if you, if, a lot of that would even be pro bono or part of the package. Yeah. Kind of like, hey, you know, I'll do, I'll give you a brain dump. That's another thing too, is that I've, I've got a lot of sweat equity and years and time and hours invested in just learning all this stuff. And I'm willing to give a brain dump. Let's yeah. do it. I said, like you could even bring people to manage your guest. If yeah. you get quotas yourself. Absolutely. Or the big thing is I even talked to a guy right before he came. His, his, he doesn't use the internet as much, but his wife just sent me a, a message and said, Hey, okay. He applied. I told him earlier today said, Hey, the quota application permit time is almost over. Uh, tell, tell James, I'll walk him through stuff and how to apply, or if he can figure it out, apply for that hog hunt. Uh, and, uh, and if he gets it, boom, you know, I'll go as his guest and I'll show him right where to go. I'll take him to near the spots where we've shot hogs year after year. You know? And so you can almost do a whole class on just navigating the FWC website. You can almost do a whole class Absolutely. on just that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, you earlier mentioned, um, you made a comment that I, 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 by the way, I'm married to this woman. Yeah, your wife ain't going to touch it. And I, I think there's some truth there, but I I suspect that there is a pretty large untapped market with prospective women, sports women. And the reason I'm mentioning that is a gentleman named Rick Lorimar, who we'd love to get on the podcast, um, is not, he's now the chairman for NAWI. He's the top dog, but he was a local diver here. And uh, when he was starting out his business, obviously scrambling to get everybody. And where he really hit his niche was with women. But the reason, it wasn't that there weren't women looking to scuba dive, but they learned differently from guys. And a lot of times, you know, guys want to get their girlfriends certified to dive or guys want to get their girlfriends into hunting. And we try to take shortcuts. Right. And then worse, because you've got all those other dynamics from a relationship, what ends up happening is you end up yelling at your girlfriend or whatever the whole time. We're like, why, why don't you just get this? And he became a master at teaching women at a pace in a method in an environment that he figured out just seemed to speak to a ton of women. And next thing you know, he's just knocking them out and made a very, very successful business. And I'd suspect that that same, those same elements are there, that there are probably more women that would like to hunt. And I think that if they kill it, they're also a lot more likely to clean it and cook it and eat it, just sure. like all of us are. Like, if you hand me a batch of squirrels, I'll eventually eat them. But they're going to get eaten after I eat my squirrels. Right? right? It's like, I mean, so all those things, it's just, I don't know, it'd be an interesting dynamic, you know, is a, 
how do we learn to teach and talk to people in the way that they need to be spoken to? Otherwise, because if we got all this knowledge and can't convey it, it's a waste of time. Sure. So I, I can I think that it goes even further than uh, teaching women as much as it is when you're trying to teach someone you uh, know more intimately than a friend. Because I find myself doing this with my son, right? I, I, I say things and uh, there's almost uh, an expected understanding because I know he's watched me do it a hundred times, all this other stuff. And then, but you take the patience and then, you know, a six year old kid says, well, but why? Mm -hmm. And then you realize, you know what? I never actually told you why I want you to do it that way. Why I want you to look over a log before you step over a log. Yeah. Cause there's a rattler on the other right. side eventually. <laughs> right. But you go through the woods, you're like, Hey, yeah. look over the log before you step over it. But then that's that's it because that's you know that that's you're doing that so there's make sure there's nothing like a rattlesnake on the other side it's not going to bite you, mm -hmm. but you don't always convey that extra piece of knowledge as to the reason why you're looking over the log. You just say look over the log before you cross over it, and you expect that to be the end right there. Whereas when you take a stranger, <clears throat> I find myself more more explaining more to a stranger why I do things the way I do them than I do like my kids because I, I'm always around my kids. They see me do everything the way that I do things. And then when I say, Hey, you need to do it like I do it. Well, uh, I'm dad. Like what I say, that's, that's, that's the rules. <laughs> right. <Yep>. right? <laughs> but, uh, and you're always going to be a lot, uh, you're going to exhibit more patience with a stranger than you would your own kid too, right. or, or your, sure. or your wife or even a good friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, you're, Spot and the kids on. will give you more respect too because they right. don't know about your flaws. Yep. yep. Right. See, and this is exactly why I'm, I'm I was thrilled when I when I put this out here, and and you all were like, uh, well, hey, come come on the podcast, you know, let's let's talk. And this because it's really a brainstorming thing, and uh, I mean, so so much depth to it, you know, and and you all's wisdom is just, uh, I mean, it is spot on. You know, I would I would say uh, uh, two things. First, Jim, to your point with the with the the women. Uh, you know, I was recently at the Ducks Unlimited State Convention, and some of these chapters are doing, like, girls' night only. I mean, they're led by women. Like, these women, kind of you're talking about, Jordan, the post-COVID sort of thing. I mean, like, girls are into some wood stuff these days, boy, and, and I'm glad. I mean, it, it has to be. For the preservation of the sport, we have to have it, not just, uh, you know, an old boys club, you know. Um, and uh, and so so they're they're into it. And, and I would absolutely take take any opportunity to uh, to help show some women to hunt. And uh, and then there's also kind of to what you were saying, Will, one of the things that, that I've, you know, I learned, I learned carpentry and a lot of my construction stuff by, yes, doing, but sort of working with the guy that knew how to do it and watching him do it. Right. And sort of seeing them do it. And so I, I think a big portion and what I've done, you know, my buddy Jeremy jokes with him is like, you know, I jump out and I shoot this rabbit and I'm like, you see, that's how it's done. I'll, sh I'll show you a few more, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but also just like, Hey, c come out and, and, you know, uh, you know, watch, watch, watch what I do. Watch me for the first time, you know, in the morning hunt, you're going to watch me and I'm going to talk and I'm going to show you. And then in the afternoon hunt, you know, boom, I'm going to just guide you. And, see, you do it. and everybody learns so differently. Like I I'm one of those people where, you can't just tell me how to do something like if you need me to, to navigate the FWC app and I pull it up and say, okay, click on that icon. 
if you if you're holding the phone in your hand, you're like, all right, you're gonna click on this icon and you click on it. You can walk me through that all day. I'm never going to remember it. Yep. Now, if you put the phone in my hand, you say, click on that green icon. I click on the green icon. Okay, now click on this part. And I, click, and I do all the steps myself as you're telling me. I'll retain 95% of that information. But if I if I watch you do it, I'll only retain 50, 40 to 50% oh. of that information. Yep. Right? Yep. But some people learn that way by watching somebody else do it. They can remember all that stuff. Nope. And uh, you never know. It's, it's just... It's, it can be, you kind of got to feel out everybody individually and pander the way that they're going to learn the best. Exactly. That's why I say that the biggest thing I keep coming back to in the conversations I've had and the, and the thoughts, uh, and, and from literally from having done this for years, just not in an official capacity. I mean, like, you know, not to toot my own horn, although I do enjoy doing so. Uh, uh, you know, I've, I've introduced dozens of people to hunting and, other than the ones that got too busy with other life BS, you know, they, most of them are like, you know, I'll talk to them a couple weeks later, like, yeah, I went, I bought, I bought this gun. I bought that gun. I got all this crap. I bought them. I'm $3,000 in and I already uh, applied for the quote. You're like, they get on fire. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, right. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's easy to get ate up with it. Oh yeah. Really? <laughs> you mentioned the gear yeah, too. A lot, of, a lot of folks make the mistake thinking that, well, if I just bought more gear, it'd be easier. Outside of better clothes and better boots, no. the drop off falls off real quick with gear. You yeah, yep. I mean? it's like, yep. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I try to look at. I try to look at when it comes to like buying gear. If it's not going to aid me in staying, either staying more still, or staying longer, then it's not worth the money. Yeah. And that goes, or or getting in further, right? <laughs> so that goes to your good boots, your good clothes. And then, like in Florida, the stay and still thing. No. Multiple oh, thermocells. Ther- <laughs> yeah. Thermocells, exactly. Hey, and, and outside they, of Florida, uh, good good glass. And yeah. a good climber seat. Yeah. yeah. So so shout was, out to Hasmore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One or, of my favorite. Uh, you forgot uh, one section to the. What's that? Dry. Stay yeah. dry. <laughs> that's that's, all that's, yeah. that's yeah, a huge thing in Florida. But, you know, no, that was a do, thing. You can't stay dry shit. That, no. that was a thing I learned, too, though, over the years of, like, you know, it's like, oh, I got rain gear. Yeah, I got rain gear. Of course I got rain gear. I bought it at Walmart. Yeah, we does, can it, does it keep you dry? Momentarily. I got yeah. it. But then I, I finally hit a point where I was like, you know what? Because I had, like, rain gear when I was in the military, and it's made of Gore-Tex. Gore-Tex? Rain gear will keep you dry. Well, it yeah. breathes too. Yeah, but like it you, keeps you dry. You can use those cheapo <clears throat> plastic rain gear if you live in New Jersey or someplace where it's chilly anyway. Mm-hmm. But man, you try to use that stuff in Florida, you get just as wet from your own from perspiration as you right. You may as well not wear sweat. it. Yeah. But that's that's how about like the, our go ahead. Sorry, uh, that's like <laughs> our hunt in uh, Tennessee. Yeah, Lord have mercy. Had I not had decent rain gear. You know, but the, the worst soaked. part about that hunt in mm-hmm. Tennessee is I had decent rain gear, but I didn't have it with me, so I was soaked. Uh, <laughs> but the the time that I, I finally broke down and I spent two hundred dollars on a uh, hundred dollars on a top, a hundred dollars on a bottom, and then the first time I wore it in the rain was when we were out opening weekend of first phase in the boat, and I oh, slept yeah. through a rainstorm in the bottom of a boat with that rain gear on. Woke up the next morning dry. I was like, yeah, buddy, worth every penny. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about footwear, right? And, um, you know, good boots, comfortable boots. But one of the things that, you know, if you're listening to this, I'm begging you, when you buy your quote-unquote waterproof boots online, 
Yeah. They're waterproof design, meaning that the way that the tongue is and everything else, it won't leak by. And they probably did hit it with a spritz of waterproof material. But Cameron, man, this is another one of those things, I guess you, you could make it into a three-day course. Right. Teach people how to waterproof their boots. Like, you know, do it right. Yeah, man. I, or give them a guide at least as to how to do it because it's a big deal. I you got to do what, it once a year. It all fades anyway. I've mm. had a, uh, I bought a set of lacrosse snake boots. And they were like full rubber. And I've had them for every bit of 10 years. And they are just now starting to separate. Mm-hmm. And they were, I mean, pajama boots, comfortable. They're light. I'll, I'll definitely, if I don't buy a set of dry shots, I'll buy a set of lacrosse again. Well, here's the hard part, all right, is that opinions run deep when it comes to gear. All right. oh, yeah, they yes, do. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, 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 I got, I got, I got two things if I, if I may. So number one, the, you know, opinions run deep when it comes to gear. I am, I am hopelessly cheap. So, you know, like I'll be out there in a damn pair of concrete finisher boots you know what I mean? <laughs> that I spray painted drab green, but like, uh, you know, I don't know. My, I always like just the straight up. I've found the off the shelf Magellan one piece waterproof boots work pretty damn well. Bro, I've but had good luck with them. Amen. Magellan equipment, period. Tractor supply. Tractor supply? That's where I got. You're I got talking about rubber boots? Supply? Rubber Mark or boots. the fake Gore-Tex. Yeah. Magellan equipment, period, is a a good way to go. I have a lot of... I have a, a, a whole, like, summer set that I use of Magellan. I love it. I don't the, know that I'll ever buy anything expensive just because my Magellan's done me so well. How about the Magellan waiters? Dude, those lasted me three seasons, and they're finally leaking. So I'll take three seasons out of a. <laughs> they were leaking last, you know this what? last season. That's three. You know okay. what? You can always, when it comes down to cheap, you can do what Jordan did and put each leg in a fifty-five gallon trash bag and then yeah. put your waders on. <laughs> You're still gonna hunt that morning. Yeah, that's right. He hunted the whole weekend like I that. did. Yeah, <laughs> with trash bags. Talk about sweating. His I said, I said, well, sweating. Shoot, you wasn't sweating it was that dang morning. twenty degrees. I wasn't oh, worried about sweating. Yeah. There's something to that though on things like. Where I'll look at a pair of waders or, uh, I mean, if it's genuinely something that's going to keep you warm and, and dry, that is something. But there's an awful lot of hunting gear where $150 for this whatever. Pullover. And, and I'm like, like it, it gets so ridiculous. And I go, you know what? I'll, leave, I'll, I'll acquiesce. That's a, it's made better. But it's not a high-functioning item. And I'm like, if I can buy four of the cheap ones. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that I'm not going to lose this $150 item before I wear out four others. Right? So, yeah, there's, right. there's a lot of that, too. But you know, we're getting way off. You, yeah, you can't bog down in any class. You want to talk about the one thing that, I, well, especially to me and, and, and duck hunting, I've found, like, the big, warm, puffy jacket. Mm-hmm. If it's cold out and I'm duck hunting, I don't shoulder the shotgun the same. Mm-hmm. So, I want some, I've been looking into getting some thinner stuff that's going to keep me just as warm. Dude. Mm-hmm. Because it's impossible. Yeah, no, I got. Well, yeah, they're they're not cheap, but I've got the Under Armour like level three base layers. Oh man, <sighs> see stuff like that's what I need to start getting. They're they're not cheap, but God. Well, that's what dang. Jim was saying. There's there's places where you spend your money, and mm-hmm. then there's places where right. you can. Right. And your base layer is probably one place where you want. I'm, I'm waiting to find out. Merino wool. I was, I was about. I'm waiting to see what what first light's gonna come out with their waterfowl gear. Yeah, and I'd tell you, like Cameron said. 
when it comes, I would say when it comes to anything with hunting, your your gear, your equipment, your guns, it is all opinions run deep, man. It's it's all a, a Ford and Chevy thing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right, because right. you look on any Facebook post where people are like, "What do you guys think about this?" and everybody's oh. like, "Well, I hate it," and then other people are like, "Man, it's the best thing I've ever had." <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. it but, just know, depends on the person themselves. Like Sitka is a great yeah. example. E- either. You don't. You hate Sitka because you can't afford to buy it, or you have bought a couple things from Sitka and you love it because it's it's a good quality product. I just refuse to pay two hundred dollars for a pullover. Me too. It's not that I. It's not that I can't afford it. I just refuse to do it. It doesn't. I'm out like there. Jim's I mean, I'm, I'm, three thrift store hoodies. You know what I'm yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. But. So there's a story that I uh, I read years ago. I remember years ago I picked up this autobiography by jeff foxworthy now i like jeff foxworthy i'm a big jeff foxworthy fan maybe maybe people aren't but uh uh you know and he's a hunter all right jeff foxworthy loves to hunt and he's got some story and i'm, I'm pretty sure it was from that autobiography maybe it was from one of his stand-up routines but no i'm pretty sure it was from that autobiography and, and he was describing deer hunting as a kid with his his granddad or his dad or something and and he kind of said you know nowadays everybody's all in this camo and going deep he said back then he'd get a like a cup of coffee from the convenience store and he'd be smoking marlboro reds wearing this like red, red flannel plaid flannel <laughs> that damn red plaid flannel and shooting some awesome deer you know what i mean and i was like yeah man how many old timers do you know they're just wearing some look at fred bear and some of the pictures he's wearing like jeans and sort of the weird camouflage like long <laughs> shirt you know what i mean i'm like never wore a stitch yeah. camouflage how, how many people shoot these monsters and have a great time drinking circle cake coffee smoking a marlboro red shoot. that that was also back in the time frame when deer didn't look up tree stands weren't prevalent right yeah times have changed i don't know yeah. man I, I think a lot of camouflage for deer hunting well maybe i don't know maybe not archery so much but certainly rifle hunting Come on, man. We're just playing dress up. Absolutely. Oh, dude, yeah, I, hardly, getting, I hardly yeah. ever wear a set of camo pants that stand anymore. I'll throw on some green, some like OD pants or some tan pants uh, or something, but. I'm like duck hunting. I mean, sometimes I will, but. Birds are a little different. It don't. Like, we're hunting small game in Seminole Forest. I'm throwing my dang car hard cargo pants right yeah well there's no doubt that birds see in color that's why yeah. they're so plumage no, but, here's, but here's the question deer i think see very very few shades but i mean dove hunting i mean you're sitting a lot of times well when i did it growing up we sat in behind a hay bale that's that's what i field, was that's what i was gonna ask you know you know because you, you everybody gets all camouflaged up to hunt ducks you're putting face paint on you gotta hide all the skin and everything we're gonna go hunt doves you're like hey man I got a green T-shirt, some shorts, and flip flops. Let's go sit on this five-gallon bucket on the edge of a field. Launch yeah. it! Yeah, you kill doves all day. That's the greatest thing about doves, though, man, because they're around people all the time. I mean, they mm-hmm. they get pretty wise fast, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I, that's why I love early season dove hunts, especially like in Georgia. They get all these they're not CRP, but they're public land where farmers planted a bunch of it in millet and sunflowers and knocked some of it down and left some of it standing. Oh my God! You go out there. There's there might be a hundred people, and some are really hardcore, and other people, like I said, I mean, they're out there. As you said, flip flops, lawn chairs, cooler. <laughs> yeah, they never get out of the chair. Waiting on the dove. I would say, shoot, even Florida early early duck season, you might catch me in the in the blind with a pair of swim trunks on. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, in shorts. Yeah. I'm so heavily blinded in that I, I'm not trying to kill them directly over top of me. I'll yeah. paint up my face and wear a nice. 
t-shirt or something but i'll tell you what you can find early season in florida is that early duck season in florida is that uh you will smell the deep from a good hundred yards <laughs> coming up <laughs> no to that duck line. <laughs> and that's the beauty about uh about small game hunting is that you can deep up yeah oh, yeah just boom forget leave the thermosel at home you can get bring that, the off that good 90 percent deep and stuff <laughs> exactly yeah. that's small game hunting yeah if man that, it's and a, hey the 90 percent you can't find the stuff that's 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. dude all right i got 100 percent that's uh, a big fella right there man we were on, yeah. <laughs> we were on the swanee last Zika. year we we're on the swanee last year and big fella he's awesome actually his name's ryan i don't know it was tyler and um because it was May or early June, and he's down on the Swan River, and he's all lathered up in this 100% beat. But everything that that guy touched that was plastic was melting in his hands, man. <laughs> like, he, he'd touch his canoe or his kayak, and he'd be like, why are my hands all green? I mean, that stuff is... Ooh. But he didn't get bitten on by, by no skeeters. Did he? I, I sprayed. <laughs> no. I sprayed my legs. I sprayed my legs last night. I was outside, sprayed him with off, you know, deep woods off, and then I scratched my leg, and then I put a dip in. I'm like, my, oh. lips, my lips are going. This one's a little more tingly than normal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are they putting in this shit? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Oh. You ever sat talking about? You ever sat in a like a ground blind? On a on a still day with your thermosel running, like you get in there and all the mosquitoes are in there everywhere. So you, you fire up that thermosel and you're like waving around, and, and all the mosquitoes finally leave, and you forget. And like you're sitting there for an hour, and also you're like you start realizing you're like you you're thinking about odd like oompa loompas or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe your head Getting hurts a little bit. Your you're like, oh yeah. my god, yeah. And then you remember the thermosel just a cooking down there. <laughs> yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. Open the windows. Open the windows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, hey, I I I say with with a lot of the gear and, and the things, there there's an appropriate time and and camoing up and getting the scent suppressors and things like that. They they will they will increase your chances and there's certain scenarios where they do help and are necessary for sure. And, yeah, like like Jim said earlier, archery season's a big one where you probably want to pay more attention to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you need game a lot closer. Yeah, and even into even into muzzleloader, but. You know, I think a lot of the – we talked about, you know, during rifle season, uh, you don't need all that camouflage. Well, that's true <clears throat> if you're not hunting in a, in a highly pressured area. If you're on any WMA down here in Florida, you better be dang well camouflaged up. One, you're, you're not hunting out of a tower blind. You're probably hunting out of a climber or a ground blind or mm-hmm. just sitting on the ground. And two, those deer, they know better. They've seen people – Right, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's scent control and still, stillness mm. first. I think you could. Well, I know you could have the greatest camo in the world, but if you sweat like a wretch on the way in there, mm. probably done. Even if you've got, I, I even if you've got great scent control and good camo, man, if you're constantly twitching and scratching and looking at it, you, you're killing yourself, right? Because they they're picking that up, and I think I don't think they always blow before they leave. But I know every one of us at one point has been sitting there and all of a sudden here, pew, right behind you, you're like, ah, oh, crap. And what'd you do? You know, you, you look at your phone or mm-hmm. you scratch your nutsack and next thing you know, gone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, that that happens a lot and you had no idea they were there. They just walk off. Or, 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 they're, or they're like, they're 100 yards from you and they just know you're there and they're just bedded down. 
just like, nah, something ain't yeah. right. I'm just going to stay here this morning. That's yeah. like sleeping in the stand, man. How many times, I can't tell you how many times I fall asleep and I wake up because you know you're probably perfectly still when you're asleep. You wake up and there's a deer like right there in front of you. You're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the phone is a big thing, honestly. That's, you know, yeah. not to sound like an old man with these damn millennials. But, uh, I mean, people, I'll be having this text dialogue with someone early in the morning. I'm getting, I'm like, aren't you out hunting? Why are you sitting here? Face all man? lit up. Yeah. Golly, like, pay attention to what you're doing. Just put your phone down for t- a couple of hours, man. Good Lord. You know, but who knows? I'm never more up on the news than when it's sudden season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't deer hunt very often from a stand or, or a blind. And so like when I do, and again, I'm not bragging because I don't shoot a lot of deer, but I'm just, I'm constantly focusing, scanning, looking around. It's almost yeah. stressful. It wears me out because I'm constantly looking around. Have you heard Jim talk about going duck hunting with me? <laughs> I think that's what he's referring to. <laughs> oh, the, the face lit up looking at his it, phone. It, it, it's uh, five o'clock, and we got the blind. We're at the duck hole. The blinds up, and the decoys are out at five a.m. Yeah, but that's that's fine. <laughs> five a.m. But yeah, you're not doing that at ten minutes to sun up. No, no, right, no. and and it's different with the ducks too, but. Well, um, I am doing that 10 minutes to sun up because I'm waiting for the... <laughs> oh, yeah, because we're looking at what time legal shooting light is. But, no, yeah, no, that's actually one of the greatest things. Oh, I've said that before, man. It's like Briar doesn't have any pressure at his holes because, you know, we're there. <laughs> we're there at 4 a.m. You, 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 you want to hunt Briar's hole? You're going to have a little sacrifice. So... You better show up early. Night yeah. before. I think the, the smartphone has created more Boone and Crockett bucks than uh, any anything to, to date in history because people have passed up on smaller deer because they never knew they were there looking down their phone. Yep. And I'm guilty of it. I'm oh, very yeah. guilty of it. <laughs> I've, I've had it several times. I've been looking at my phone, look up, I'm like, oh, shit. There's a deer standing out in front of me. <laughs> no idea it was there. It'd probably been there for 10 minutes. I'd just been scrolling through Facebook yep. or whatever else. <laughs> but <clears throat> it'll get you every time. Oh, yeah. You know what's yeah. another another valuable thing to learn, and I always found myself as a kid uh, in the woods, especially when I started hunting by myself, is what the different noises you hear, what animals making those. Because man, the, I think the, the animal that makes the craziest noises in the woods is a crow. Crows, they they make. It's, I've heard them make the sound of an old nextel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'll tell you, we were we were camping at, at Triple N Ranch, which uh, anybody listening, if uh, if you want just some beautiful woods, my favorite place on earth, one of my favorite places on earth, I've got about 50, but one of them in the top 10 is, uh, top three is Triple N Ranch, Osceola County, but I, I sent my camper out there, we we're camping, and I was, uh, it was the middle of the night, my buddy Matt was in a tent outside my camper, and I was in my camper, and I had the windows open. And, uh, you know, it's near kind of a rough area, you know, the place, place just east of triple N is a little road called crabgrass. And there's some, there's some interesting folk down crabgrass. There's some normal folks, but there's some interesting folks. There's some tweakers. And all of a sudden, man, I'm sleeping in the camper and I hear this like, and I wake up and I'm like, someone's at 192 road is just out there. Like, Somebody's just out screaming. What in the hell's going on? Oh Rabbit. my God. And then it's like, Oh. It was a screech owl. <laughs> and this screech owl was right outside of us. I asked Matt the next day, I said, Matt, did you hear that screech owl? He's like, that woke me up. I thought I thought we were being robbed. I thought somebody was getting murdered. I, didn't know I was like, that scared me Once it finally purred like an owl, I was like, whew. Went back to bed. <laughs> but the noises? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you just—you you never know, man. I, I was—I was sitting in the uh, climber one time, and I was looking to my right and off to my left. I just hear. I'm like, what the is that? I'm like, oh my god! Like I—I'm still like like focused to my right, listening to my left because it's close to me, whatever it is. And I have never in my at that time I was probably twenty two, twenty three years old. Never heard this sound in the woods in my life. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm about to be just like Jack Link's commercial, Bigfoot grab my tree and sling me across these woods, and that's going to be it. And I slowly start turning my head to the left. I'm like listening, listening. And I get all the way to the left. There's a coyote about 40 yards just throwing up in the middle of the road. I was like, oh, I was like, oh that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that, that – that that just shows. I mean, what y'all do, uh, you know, every every podcast ultimately, and and that and that I would explain to people who who want to get into it is that every time you go out, you have another story that you can tell. Every time you go out, even if it's not that interesting a story, right? There's still a story. Every time, every trip to the woods is a great story. Yeah, and I, I think really. some of these noises revert back to like what you were talking about, uh, or what I talked about with having you. Uh, like somebody using you is it there's so there's some noises in the woods where i wished i had had somebody with me so i could be like are you about to shit your pants like i am right now (laughs) (laughs) well you hear the different you don't realize how many different vocalizations that deer make until you spent a long time in the woods and actually had deer up close that you've watched and not shot Mm -hmm. like i've heard i've had uh Two does, three does, and and like two or three yearlings at fifteen yards, and listening to the the soft grunts they make, it I never heard that before in my life, mm. and it's just very soft, very. And, but you, have you ever heard a doe click? I've heard of it, not that I know of. No, it's like you take two two quarters and snap them together. They'll just. Mm. They do that back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't really hear it unless you're very close. close. You, you can hear it from a distance, but to discern that from anything else in the woods, it has to be extremely quiet. Mm-hmm. But when you're mm-hmm. close, you can hear them doing that. Yep. And I've only learned that because I've been there and they're 10, 15 yards from the tree stand. And I'm hidden well enough. They don't know I'm there. So they're just continuing on about their daily routine, doing right. what they're doing. And they kind of do that. that I, I watched them do that when the when the group got split up, and they the one started clicking. They all kind of came back together mm-hmm. to that to that one doe. It's a comfort zone. That's, yeah, that's a sound yeah. they'd only make in safety. Right. Yep. Yep. And so you you hear that. You hear the the soft grunts, the the uh, bleats, and bucks making different noises, and the way they stamp their feet, and just which that's a distinct sound as well that. If you hear that, you're in trouble. They done seen you. <laughs> yep, yep. Don't don't move. That's good. They're, the, they're on to you, but I don't, I don't know. That yeah, no. They, they they're, they're they trying know to something's yeah. something's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. the The jig is the jig is about halfway up at that point. You better be pretty dang still, or you're gonna get busted. Busted. We, you know the uh, the biggest deer in the woods doesn't make half the sound of an armadillo. Oh my God! <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Nope, you're absolutely right. But those armadillos, boy, I've stalked some armadillos. I was like, "There's a pack of pigs in that thicket. I know 
what? And then this armadillo just comes sniffing around, <laughs> trotting on out of there. I'm like, man. I tell you, but those thing, things are about yeah, blind sucker. as a bat, too. I've walked <laughs> up on them. Like walking into the tree stand, you walk right next to one, and he moves, and then, you know. Uh, next thing you know, you're going back to camp to clean the mess out of your pants. Because <laughs> <laughs> that joker just trot out yeah. right in front of you. Yeah, he took off two feet away from you. You know what it was. Yep. In the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. I was going to go the other way with the, you know, supposed to joking, but you spent a lot of time sitting in the woods listening to what I used to just refer to as crunch birds. Mm-hmm. Crunch bird to me was a bird that made noise. You know, rustling through the leaves, but it's just, it's nothing will hunt, so it's just a crunch bird. Then I decided, well, I'm supposed to be a better woodsman, so trying to figure out what they are. And I've gotten pretty good at identifying a bunch of them. The eastern towhee, the pine warbler, tufted titmouse. I mean, you think it's easy, man. It's hard and to to figure out, well, what the hell is that? Especially if you, like, there's like a gazillion, there's vieros, there's a white-eyed vero, the little tiny birds. It actually becomes an, though it's also cost me dear because all of a sudden I'm focused on like, you know, trying to like, watch it, wait for that bird. Yeah. Nugget. Like, and also yeah. like <laughs> you're waiting for it to land, like right there. So you can go like, and then try to figure out, well, what the hell is that? Right. Um, and some of you like, <laughs> damn, forgot why I was here. But it, it, it is, I found that trying to identify different bird species and, and beyond just like, well, that's a common gallinol or, you know, uh, gallinul, you know, but swamp chicken. Yeah. I find it's, uh, that ain't purple versus the, yeah, the, the Sharpie bird, the Sharpie yeah. gallinul. <laughs> what they call blue face coot. Blue face coot. Well, Jim, that, that's, I mean, that's, that's ultimately why, uh, that's why that, that, that's as big a part of why you hunt is, uh, getting stuff. I think, you know, it's just, Seeing all the creatures and learning what they are, and just 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 loving the morning. Speaking of blue s- coots, I found out there really is an invasive blue gallinol or blue coot that's down in South Florida that is perfectly lawful to schwack away, and it's not the purple gallinol. Let's take a trip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and and like you were saying earlier, William, uh, kind of combining what with what Cameron said and what you said, you were talking about having heard the does and then you know that's their comfort sound and then part of you know what i enjoy in the woods is knowing that i've been successful enough to hide myself well enough to be able to watch an animal in its natural habitat and be perfectly comfortable to not even think that i'm there mm-hmm. and you I mean, can literally just watch that animal go about its its daily routine i, I think i've learned a lot from having a deer step out look at a deer and go okay i'm not gonna shoot that deer well then they stay there for a while and then you reach a point where you kind of get bored of watching it and then i I decide like i reach a point now where i'm like okay let's figure out what i can get away with yeah Um, right before i get caught field trials right (laughs) but i've done that before right so i had a i had a uh two different instances i had a, a little seven point come out on me one time and he was downwind of me and i'm using the cheap walmart like scent spray and i could tell that he could smell something right because he kept picking the wind up picking the wind and then he he put his nose in the wind he could smell and then he kind of stand there for a minute and start walking he wanted to walk away he wasn't scared but he wasn't sure of his what was going on either so he turned and walked the other direction well i'll do that he, when he would do that i grab my grunt call 
he turned around and come back. He did. We had this dance for probably 15 minutes until he got all the way into maybe five yards. And I grunted. And then he saw me. And he's like, oh. And then he just kind of turned. He's like, yeah. And turned around and walked away. I was like, yeah. Wow. I just say if you ease into it. Yeah. And you you make, you know, if you ease into it, I've had deer that kind of, when they finally see you, they're like, what is that? What the hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you spook them, their first thing is just, Right. Right. But if you if you ease them into a little bit of shenanigans and things, eventually, you know, they don't stick around, but they're like, I don't, I don't I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. And then I had I had a doe and two yearlings come in only one time. Um, and they came in from a down. She came in on my the on the upwind side, but I, the the way she came in, I knew she could see me. I didn't have a lot of cover right there. And, uh, which was okay. Cause I was, I was hunting with a shotgun and she was at, you know, 50 yards. Like if I wanted to take the shot, I saw her well before she stepped into my lane where she could see me at that point. Like if I was going to take the deer, I would have decided before that. And when it stepped out, it's too late. So she stepped out at 50 yards and then she saw me whoosh, froze. And she kind of turned around and she started circling around to my downwind side. Cause she couldn't smell me. She got to my downwind side, got a whiff of me. And then started going back down the hill. Well, when she's turned around to go away, I grabbed that. Tinks used to make this uh, persimmon spray. Oh, dude. And I grabbed that and I went out onto the wind. And she stopped in her tracks, turned around and started walking right back towards me. Wow. And then she came in and then got to where she could see me again, turned around and walked away. I let her get about 50 yards out, hit it again. She turned right back around. She did that four or five times and I decided to quit wasting the spray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You got that one dialed in. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, they used cool. to make that. Uh, they don't make it anymore. They used to make that sweet weed. Yeah, it was the same as the persimmon oh, spray. The sweet weed. Man, that yeah. sweet weed was good stuff. Going back to small game, one of the things that I'm sure Cameron's doves, like when you're walking through the short palmettos or whatever, say it, certain WMAs, you start to realize that in certain, you know, the, I know there's a, there's a phrase where it's a type of savanna where, You've got pine trees, not thick, actually fairly sparse with the, especially like a first year burn. And all of a sudden you, you kind of know, you can eyeball like there's doves in there somewhere. And you start walking up and sure enough, they all, right. And uh, one of the things that I'm always trying to figure out, because sometimes there's always some doves that just scoot into the first pine tree mm-hmm. and hang out. And if you try to walk right to them, they're gone. But if you kind of take a lot, you know, wander back and forth, not always, most of the time you still lose, but I found that if you, if you pretend like you don't know they're there and you stumble around like a, you know, a dope, but sometimes <laughs> yep. I'm giving the aha. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Hiding in plain sight. Absolutely. It's yeah. the, the psychology. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. Well, let me tell you what, I've got, uh, I think I've still got a little bit of meat in my freezer. And most of those are those first pine tree does. <laughs> those that's are the ones not, that like. That's not like, sporting. <laughs> still <laughs> tasty. Sporting? Shoot. Like, wait, wait, wait. They're, they're flying. Hold on. Wait, they're going to land. All right. <laughs> a dove out of a pine tree branch? Are you kidding me? That's a lot easier to shoot than one flying. Yeah. I rarely miss those. <laughs> it's like people That's, trying to say that water whacking is not ethical. No, I was going to say the same thing, man. It, it, when it comes to, especially water whacking, right? You, if you've got ducks that have fully committed to landing your decoys, and there they are, you've done your part to, as far as the hunt goes. And that is, hands down, 
I'll argue with you to till I'm blue in the face. The most ethical way to shoot a duck. Absolutely, because because how many of them are sitting in front of you at you know twenty thirty yards that you blow off the water and they just get up and fly? Versus how many are flying by and you know you're not sky blasting, but you take a good shot and you see feathers and they are off onto the horizon to just die. Well, I mean, day, you know? I've, I've never had to I've never had to chase a crippled duck after I water whacked it. <laughs> nope. You know what I mean? But I've shot a few on the wing and broke one wing, and they land, and then they take off swimming into the weeds, and you're like, ah, great. Yep. Diving into Cam, the juke. Cam and I were hunting doves at a WMA this spring. You remember that dove came in, and I, I opened up on it, and we saw, like, chafe off of that dove. It went, poof, and just kept right on hauling, man. Oh. <laughs> it was like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. It's like a powder puff in the air. Yeah, we were yeah. shooting like sixes at it too, man. I mean, like, there's no question that dove got ate up. Yeah, yeah. Cut right on booking, man. I was like, oh. you well, know. I'm still convinced that doves are made of Kevlar. Yep. <laughs> because yeah. I've shot many a dove and just been doused in feathers and watch a bird yeah. fly away. Either that know. or they got some kind of radar because you're shooting they're like, Shoop. I, I think it's like anything else. <laughs> you hit like it, bats. Yeah. You hit it with BBs, but if you didn't break a wing or hit hit it in the pump house. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it didn't. They're so damn small that on the field we were hunting that once it once it got off the opening, it was just gone, right? But it was all really going back to whether it's a dove on a pine tree or a duck on the water. Yes, it doesn't require as much skill as to take it in the air, but if you're talking about efficacy, kind of hard to beat. Yeah, you're out there to hunt. I mean, you know, come on, man. You only get so many days in the woods, and it. it you, Shoot, think off the pine tree, out of the water. I'm a, I'm, I'm a firm believer in getting the bird. Sure, especially if you're talking public land birds, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Legal means of take is just that. Mm -hmm. It's legal. Yep, yep, yep. They're purists. Yeah, but it's legal. I would love to be a purist. I would love to have so many opportunities to just pile up doves and knock down waterfowl that. I could start to handicap myself that way. I mean, I guess you could choose to do that. There's no, there's absolutely no problem with it, but I mean, we could do we it. We all hunt for time. different reasons. And <laughs> for me, so, I mean, if it, if it hits the water, you can always scare it up. But the whole point though, then you're trying to shoot it on the wing. And, and we yeah. may hunt for different reasons. I'm saying reasons. if you're, if, 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 but that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> ease up over the bun and stick the shotgun out and shoot that sucker on the water. I don't want to speak too much for you, but my observation would be like that. The I'm primary reason you like to hunt is, is really more for your dog, mm-hmm. right? Well, and for me, it's all about the meat. I, I'm not I saying mean, that you don't enjoy the meat, but I, 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 hunted before his dog, but. I mean, I, I like duck hunting before the dog, but okay. the dog's just that's another element that I get to enjoy it with. Like I said, if somebody else shoots all the ducks and the dog goes, I'm perfectly happy with that. Mm-hmm. Cameron, how's your dog doing? She's still young. Yeah, but uh, but coming along, coming along. I ch- I, I checked her to see if uh, if she was gun shy. She's not gun shy, which is a big. I I, I considered that a big, big, big uh, milestone. You know, and what? now I'm a, I'm a virgin when it comes to dog rearing and dog training and teaching dogs to hunt. What kind of dog is it exactly? It's a beautiful dog. Well, thank you, thank you. It is a uh, it is a designer labradoodle, <laughs> but no, it is a, it is a it's a labradoodle. You know what I mean? Uh, which for practical reasons, my wife really wanted one. They don't shed hardly at all, and uh, and hypoallergenic. Uh, for my mother in law, who who is deeply allergic to dogs and dander, and so uh, 
But then I started looking into it. I said, man, you got Lab and Poodle? Those are two hunting-ass breeds. Yeah. You know? You're right. I mean, Poodles were bred originally in Germany to hunt. Yeah. Well, it's, kind of, it's kind of a yeah. roan color, isn't it? It's like a reddish. Yeah, it's kind of a dark dark brown, you know, kind of a yeah. brownish. Uh, you know, it was more apricot looking when it was young, but it, it's getting a little bit darker. And I mean, she's red fox smart, lab, man. I, mean, yeah. I, have, I have a book for you written by a uh, water dog. No, it's written a by yeah. a lady. Her name is Claire Koshar. And Claire Koshar, is, she lives out in Mount Verde. Um, she's, she's getting up there in you. She's well into her eighties now. And I don't think she, um, I don't think she's actively training dogs, but there was a time, I mean, years ago where she was a championship dog trainer and she wrote a book and I've got a copy of it in my, in my truck. I'll give to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm carrying around and, and reading it, except I'm so deathly allergic to dogs and every season after hunting with you and Brian Irish, I'm like, maybe I can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent the weekend with a Yorkie and I, I figured out that Yorkies, I guess in a clean house, I could tolerate them. Like I get a little, I'm still a little bit, <clears throat> I'm still putting up with it from this weekend, but uh, mm. you know, Yorkies aren't exact. Well, I guess if I, rabbit dogs, you know, yeah, but I, I want to I mean, see, <laughs> see Jim bring a Yorkie to a duck field. I don't could even pick, like them, man. I just, <laughs> that dog could pick up a dove. If you, I mean, there's a dude that's got the little, uh, Boston Terrier to pick duck hunts with. I would say there's a, <laughs> there's a lady, there's a lady that has a, I forget what a dog's name is, but she hunts with a Jack Russell. Mm-hmm. That is yep, a mean yep. little, I mean, I, she's got videos Ducks, of that dog right? carrying. Is that the duck hunt? It's a dog like geese. And yeah, she's got videos of, of that dog carrying geese yeah. and all sorts of crap. Of, I mean, now what, it's got it by guy. the neck and it's dragging it back to the blind. But <laughs> but hey, it's getting it done, right? Yeah. If I ever do get a Yorkie or decide that I'm going to try to own a dog and I can tolerate Yorkies, <clears throat> I'm going to go through them until I have the meanest mother Yorkie that there is. <laughs> Yorkie thinks he's a pit bull, man. <laughs> I saw I saw a guy uh, that was duck hunting with a pit bull. I was like, man, it's about what you need in some of these waters in Florida. Yeah, with yeah but those things can't. Know, most of those things can't swim worth a darn. No, but uh, it, no. put a whooping on a gator if you needed to. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, that's, I, some of the times there was a guy that used to hunt out at Bull Creek and Triple N, and uh, man, I I seen his picture on the board, and uh, and he had a he had a Vizsla, and uh, mm-hmm. he'd always be on the board, you know, with wood ducks and birds quail and this and that and he he drove the same kind of van that i did back then i had an astro van you know the chevy astro was yeah. oh yeah, yeah i was i love that van oh my goodness so we we're out there in astro vans and, and I finally one day i seen him in his astro van with the visa i'm like there he is that's the legend you know what i mean but uh <laughs> dude that dog's so damn good but yeah he would go into a cypress ball he knew all those cypress heads and creeks just he's a wood duck slaying fool man and that visa was real good hmm but you talk about dogs. Jim dropped a name, a guy named Brian Irish, and I went to look at a project at his house. Dude, those dogs are so well behaved. I mean, that that that's like, gee, Murphy those, Murphy's a Vizsla, and I forget his other dog. That's a short hair. Yeah, yeah. GSP, GSP, GSP yeah. yeah. But he, when he, those well, are Brian, robots, man. Those well, Brian, are robots. Brian's got Brian's so level headed. He is. Yeah, he just doesn't run too hot, doesn't run too cold. He's got a perfect temperament for it, a lot of patience, and he's very diligent. So it's no wonder his dogs turned out so fantastic. Yeah. Mine's going to be a little bit more of me cussing and it running wild and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was on a quick note. You brought up the pig roast earlier on, and uh, I brought my dog with me. You know, she had a great weekend. But right when we took the pig off the spit and it's sitting on this table and we're starting to 
carve it up and take it apart, you know, and all the juices and the grease and the fat are just flowing, you know, dripping off this table. And so there was a bunch of dogs out there and my dog being one of them and they all start to kind of lick at the dirt, you know, right there. And my dog sitting there licking at the dirt, doesn't realize that this, this grease from this pig is just dripping right down her hair all over her neck. I mean, <laughs> she is bathing in pig grease and I was kind of like, ha. Ah. She's going to be a mess, and she's going to sleep with me in this camper tonight. Make but a shiny at, coat, though. At yeah. the same time, I was kind of like, look, she's living her best life. I mean, that's like that's like the fountain of youth right there. <laughs> I was like, I'll just let it ride. You know? But about two hours later, she was as crispy and stinky as could be. Man. <laughs> probably just like you smelled. You got in bed, too. So. <laughs> probably. <Yeah>. Probably. Oh. <laughs> Except for his, he had some bluegill mixed in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he didn't care if the dog slept in the bed. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She went to bed. I crawled in and passed out. Yeah. Dude, I, yeah, I, I love both frying fish and, you know, pigs and all, but the whole idea of the, especially the, the smell you get in your hands from prepping the fish before you fry it and then with the pig grease. I can't imagine laying down and being able to tolerate that. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I would say, well, like, well, when Briar said bluegills, he was talking about some some bush lights. So, yeah. <laughs> different oh. kind of bluegill. <laughs> <like that. laughs> oh, so, Cameron didn't. Those bluegills yeah. doesn't matter. Man. At that, that that's point, the blue Cameron didn't, comes in a can. Wasn't yeah. quite smelling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wasn't smelling, wasn't feeling any pain. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So from what I've what I've gathered over this whole podcast we've done here is that it, when you what you're trying to do is you know you you kind of act like a guide but the 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 main difference from what you're doing and and what a guide does is your end goal the end goal of a guide is to <clears throat> provide their hunter with a successful hunt and have a return customer and have a return mm-hmm. customer but your goal is to hopefully provide the hunter with a successful hunt and then not have a return customer anymore. Well, you know, right? right? They they learn and they're able to go out and do it on their own. I was going to say too, though, that Cameron is still able to have return customers because there is so much to hunting that there's you can't teach somebody everything in one hunt. Right. Yeah. Right. You're going to give them the basics and maybe let them go out on their own a couple times or something, and then say, "Hey, come back and let's oh, learn a little more." Right. But the yeah. end goal eventually is to have that person on their own. They're on their own. Absolutely. I think. If you have somebody coming to you two, three, four times, eventually you almost got to tell them like, okay, you can come back to me again, but before you come back to me again, I want you to go out and hunt a couple times on your own or find find somebody else to go hunting with. Because, you know, we've seen that too where, um, and if you read articles about the mentorship needs to last for years, and I say, yeah, but that one or two, run one or two occasions where that mentorship has turned into a dependency like mm-hmm. like take me hunting and that's yep. not what you're trying to achieve well and and you know when we were hunting together we talked about same, we did i i said you know i've been i've been taking the guys out so much lately that uh you know i i kind of want to like buckle down and focus and just go do my thing yeah <laughs> i kind of i want to hunt this weekend you know what i mean uh and so so yeah that is d- 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 to all those ends, it, it, part of that, that, ins- that, that is, that is a part of what inspired me to do is I said, all right, well, these are, these are some days where I've set aside to train someone and that'll free up hopefully a couple days to just go out and 
and really flex my own muscles, you know what I mean? And, and go hit up some of those spots that I really like and do my thing. But, uh, but it is, and, and I would always welcome return people, especially different places. You know, that's, that's another thing is there's lots of different places. Florida's uh, so diverse. It's easy for a different place to be completely different. Right. And, and too, it's like, I've, I've just, it's been my passion for years. So, so many of these different spots, I've gone to them and I know where the spots are and I know where to put people on stuff, you know, but, but yeah, well, to your point, yeah, hopefully if, uh, if I've done my job right, then, uh, you don't have to hit me up for a follow-up. You feel, you feel good and confident after we've gone out to be able to go and do it on your own. Then I'll you say, I can and- guarantee you though, that if you go do one of these hunts with Cameron, that you're going to have such an experience that you're probably just going to want to go back just to spend time with Cameron again. Yeah. We joked about it. And I hope so. And that's why I want to keep the cost low because I want to make that a reality for folks. You know what I mean? If they, if they do, or they want a few, you know, respectively, you know, the the dude that lives on the lake that has the dually, you know, he's getting charged full prices. All right. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But my Robin hood rates, you know what I mean? But, uh, but no, no, it's a, for sure. For sure. You know, I joked with you that online the other day or in text. I said, well, you do this thing, hit you up for a job. You can pay me in Pez. <laughs> and, and, and I was, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was kidding. I mean, I don't need payment. I think what you're doing is great. Um, you know, hey, whatever, man. If somebody wants to throw some lunch money, that's great. Um, but if you're going to, I think that's kind of a cool idea. If you're actually going to offer this course and once you get it together – there's absolutely no reason that you shouldn't outsource it. Um, or if you have folks that are like, hey, Cameron, I love what you're doing, man. I'll... So that that person's getting a different flavor. If they want to come back a third time, be like, you're going out with this fella. You know, but mm-hmm. then there also needs to be some expectation that that person's not going to undermine. Right. Eventually, it's got to be, though, if people are paying Cameron Gordon, there's got to be a Cameron Gordon way. And right. There's nothing wrong with having some guys that even though they may do things differently for whatever their own reasons are, it's like, hey, this person, sure. you know, make sure they're covering these. And if you want to add your own flavor to it, that's great. But right, yeah, I think it's a great idea. And and hopefully, whether it's they're taking the the fee that weekend or, or a part of the fee, that's all up to you. But just getting more, creating an environment or a system where it's easier for people that want to share what they know with people that want to learn, that's got a ton of value. Right. Right. I, I I genuinely hope too that it comes down to a point with Cameron to where uh, he has to outsource because so and so has this WMA this weekend and somebody else has this WMA that same weekend. Well, he can't take both people out. Yeah, that too. I would I would love I would lay I would love it. And you know, yeah. it's an open book. It's an open book. There's a thousand people moving to this state every day. Unfortunately, yeah. I would say, I mean, you know, well, welcome to Florida to purchase my services, but but move home, please, really. You know? but, uh, <laughs> Come uh, back and visit. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the reality is, is like, if you are going to move down here, these woods won't just jump up and bite you. You can walk through this brush and you might as well learn to love hey, these places. Like I was going to say, but Cameron, on the same note, too. They will jump up and bite you. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say on the, on the, the question same is, note which ones you walk away from? Par- parts of Florida can be treacherous and you have to but if you know how to properly navigate those areas you're fine Mm -hmm. but but Mm -hmm. there's uh, tons of stories where people have gone into you know because so much of florida swamp and it's i'm a seasoned hunter and i've gone into areas at night with without a light 
and oh. gotten completely lost. I thought I was going one direction. Turns out I was going the complete opposite direction. Jim Boyce? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of some of Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to walk away and know when to run in Florida. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you hunt with me, you're hunting with a big chicken yeah. shit. You got to know when to hold him. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know when to hold him and know when to fold him. Yeah. Yeah, like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, you know it's and don't don't get me wrong. You know, part of me even feels a little bit weird and kind of guilty about even saying like, "Oh, I want to charge for this." But the the reality is, I can't give it my all with how busy I am unless I can offset a day's wages. But I am self employed, so if I could make it a day's work, then man, you got a day's of work. Yeah, and I'll and I'll give it the same type of craftsmanship that I would somebody hiring me to build a building. Um, but there's just so many opportunities out there. It's a beautiful state. So much place, so many places to hunt. Yeah. So many different types of game to hunt. And then there too, if somebody comes at me like, "Hey, you know, I want to," and uh, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to get a deer. I'm gonna say, "Well, you've got lots of places you can get a deer. I'm probably not a good deer guy." Yeah, you're gonna but say, "Hey, let's start I'll out with small game." Yeah, exactly. I'll teach you, teach you how. I'll teach you everything you need to know to get the head start on the deer, but. Well, let's, let's go shoot well, some squirrels. Yeah, I thought I we were all kind of... Like, like Jim said, with outsourcing, it's easy to go. If he says, hey, I want to get a deer. You say, I'm going to teach you how, but I got this guy that right. uh, that helps me out, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to have him take you deer hunting. Well, you, you so, cannot teach somebody how to deer hunt in a day. No. No. no, 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 no I mean, not. I don't think you teach someone how to deer hunt effectively in a season. And no. no. It's, it's years, right? And, I'll and, give them a head start. That's it. But, yeah. well, we, I know we've had, well, a bunch of us have had different people in different circumstances overwhelmingly when I'm talking to genuinely experienced and well-balanced hunters, they're all over the place doing different things. Inevitably with rare exception, everybody agrees that the place to become a good hunter, not, not, not to say that if you got enough money, you can't just go sit someplace and kill anything, but to really become a good hunter where it almost doesn't matter what landscape you get dropped off and you'll pick it up faster than you, you have to start at small game. Absolutely. It's the yeah. only opportunity to give you the the ability to roam like that. Yeah. Maybe if you grew up in Montana, it's different. But man, those guys, a lot of them are lucky if they kill two animals a year. I still yeah. tell you that I, I've been a hunter for a solid 20 years of my life. And I still learn something new every season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you'll well, never stop learning. Not only that, no. if you want to be a good big game public land hunter... It's almost necessity that you become a good small game public yeah. land hunter because otherwise you're not going to get out there and scout. Bro, small game. I was going to say small game's a, a great way to scout and you still get to reap a harvest. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, you know, cleaning the deer, cleaning the pig, it, 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 it is much less intimidating if you clean a handful of small things. Or you can always you start with a small, you start with a smaller anatomy. Yep. I mean, it's. Yep. But you start to get the idea of like, all right, I could be delicate in this section. I could be rough in this section. Yeah, you know what I mean? And absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, think about it, the process. Well, no, I use the, sh- well, sometimes you use the tail method, but other times it's the shirt, shirt and, and pants, pants method. Oh, yeah. on, on a, pants. On a, I love shirt and but pants, man. Still, the premise is still kind of the same either way. At least I think most book guys start off. Well, now I just use game shears and clip off all the feet, right? Whereas with a deer or a pig, usually you start off, you don't necessarily clip them off, but you go around the, well, actually the knees or the ankles, right? You go around there first and then 
you start peeling away. I mean, it, and then when, when you quarter out a squirrel or you quarter out a pig, big, bigger muscle groups, but same, same philosophy. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And I still don't know. I, I'm, I'm not by any means a seasoned like gator hunter. I don't know a proper way to clean a gator. Oh, such a pain in the ass. <laughs> I've, I've cleaned oh, too. It's a complete pain. I, I know how you pro, you uh, clean an alligator. Take it to somebody? Yeah, you drop it off at the process. Yeah. <laughs> I've never blown I've them seen, up. I've seen it done. Where they, I was going to say, but, I, like Jim said, I've seen where people have like cut a slit and taken an air compressor and the skin off of them. But. I've only done it the hard way. You know, yep, yo, I've sat there yeah. and sharpened my knife five times. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks, if you've never, if what we're describing is nothing on an alligator peels, you are cutting every leather square inch of the hide off of the yep. gator. Yep. I will, uh, yeah, I don't know how much time we got left, but on a real quick story, I was sitting there one night laying on the couch, getting ready to kind of just doze off and watching the news. And my neighbor comes down, knocks on the door, and he's like, I said, oh, what? So I opened the door. I was like, what's up, man? How you doing? He's like, hey, man, uh, are you, you you in the middle of anything right now? <clears throat> and over the years, I've learned better than to answer that with a straight <laughs> I said, well, you know, I'm kind of waiting. I might have to run out with my buddy, uh, give him a hand. Why? Why? Why are you asking? <laughs> and he said, hey, my, my buddy's a nuisance trapper. And, uh, man, he, he's just got a bunch. He, he didn't have time to deal with this one. He he got this gator from a neighborhood out by SeaWorld. He said, I can have it. You know, I just got to clean it. It's tagged and everything. I just don't know how to clean a gator. I said, I'll be right down. <laughs> let and me get uh, one of them jobs oh yeah I was like, I was like, he's just like i just want a little bit of the meat man you can have it all most all of it i just want to say all right but yeah well, i'm was taking the, the jowls first, <laughs> yo i took the jowls and that was the first alligator i ever cleaned it took a long time very difficult yeah yeah at that point i'd have been like yeah uh my buddy i got like 10 minutes but i give you kind of a youtube <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Here's a link. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's been a lot of stuff where I've been like, YouTube. I'm gonna have to turn to YouTube for this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just always too cheap and too broke, so I yeah. do it myself. Hey, the processor didn't cost me nothing on that gator. Oh, they they work out a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like they keep so much. They keep seventy percent of the meat and gave me like. 30%, 20%, something like that. I'm not going to eat that much gator anyway, yeah. so. Like, I don't eat that much alligator meat. It's okay. Right. You're going to get <laughs> And it didn't cost me nothing. Oh, yeah. But, well, you guys want to <coughs> jump into the tip of the week? I got I got multiple tips, actually. So oh, man. You know, then why don't you go first? Yeah, I am going to go first. You, you forgot to warn us about it, so. Oh, that's all right. You knew it was coming. So, the first one I'm going to say is we kind of talked about gear earlier and, like, staying warm, dry, whatever. You'll find that no matter what the quality of gear you have when it's cold outside, you will stay 10 times warmer in the tree stand. If on your walk to the tree stand, you will sacrifice warmth getting there. So if you'll strip down to, I wouldn't say all the way to your base layers, but to the point where like when you're walking, carrying a stand or just walking into where you're going to set up, if you're a little bit chilly, like, like if you're to the point where you would stop, if you stopped, you're going to get cold. If you'll walk in in that amount of layers, and then when you get to the tree stand, put on all the warm stuff you brought that you need to stay warm sitting still, you'll stay 10 times warmer, 10 times longer. Because you won't sweat going to the tree stand trying to stay, quote unquote, warm getting there. It's not the it's not the movement part that, that is hard to keep yourself warm. It's when you sit still. Mm. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, although 
hunting in itself boils down to uh, your main objective is to successfully harvest. Don't forget to take the time to enjoy the experience. Enjoy the woods. Enjoy, you know, nature itself. You know, if you're out with Cameron or somebody else, don't forget to enjoy the company you're with. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. I'm going completely off the typical hunting thing again. Typical, Jim. Well, yeah, man. Every, you guys all do the <laughs> – I can throw another one in there. But um, my – in the past, I, I've talked to people about – I've mentioned a tip about establishing a separate bank account and uh, having your employer just drop money into it so it's automated and you don't have to think about it. And I'm kind of resurrecting that one, but this time for a different reason. I'm kind of begging people to do so, and unfortunately not necessarily because of the uh, hunting trips. I I don't want guys really missing out um, this year out of financial concerns. And I don't want to geek out too much, but this inflation thing we're going through and I hope I'm. I very much hope I'm wrong. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Um, like you cannot too much. It's because when interest rates rise, the federal government's got to play in the same marketplace. And all those treasuries that we issued ten years ago at twosie threesies, you're all coming due it and being refinanced in four and five and whatever percent rate. Well, man, the government's got to get money from someplace, and they really can't tax it. So what's going to happen, I believe, is they're going to end up devaluing currency through inflation and all the Fed's raising rates and all this other stuff. I systematically, I don't believe that they're going to be able to raise rates high enough to curb inflation without creating a humongous recession. And you throw on that same other problem about where in the world's nation going to get its debt service. So long story short, the reason I'm begging people to keep some powder dry right now is because there's either going to be some dark days coming through recession or we are going to be fighting this inflation issue for a lot longer than I believe is being let out. And I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, but if you're listening to this right now, you know, the whole seven day, seven years of feast and seven years of famine, I don't think it's going to be seven years, but there's a reason we're supposed to put some aside. So if you're not doing it or you've been a little lazier, I'll get around to it. The time to start was uh, yesterday. That's my tip of the week. What do you got, Briar? I'm going to say work hard. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, whether it's at your job, when you're out trying to hunt and find deer, ducks, whatever it might be, the more effort you put into it, the greater your reward and the greater your success is going to be. And it's going to feel that much better when you do kill that big buck or, you know, you kill that limited wood ducks or whatever it might be. Hard work pays off. Yeah. All right, Cameron, the, the pressure's on because <clears throat> you're, you're literally founding a business on giving people tips, so uh, good. <laughs> if I would have remembered there was a tip of the week, man, I would have uh, rehearsed one. All right, my tip of the week is this. If you decide to, to go out and hunt, you want to explore some public Take Cameron land. Gordon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call Cameron, me. Yeah. Here's my number. <laughs> Call me, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that was a little foody. Sorry. Um, the, Know that brochure and know the rules. Take the time. Read it cover to cover. Don't let it intimidate you. Don't get steamrolled. Just just, just read it. Ask some questions. In fact, FWC is very accommodating. You can ask them too. Just just, just read that brochure cover to cover and really cover your tracks because uh, you don't want to be in the wrong. Don't, don't read it for the answer you're 
Don't read it for the preconceived answer you hope to find there. Yeah. Right. Because you yeah. will. And you'll miss the other section that says, don't do this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and keep in mind, too, that uh, though FWC is here to uh, educate as well as enforce, ignorance is no excuse for the law. No. So, do your homework. So, how, how do you want people to find you, Cameron, to, to hire you to help them, you know, to show them the ropes? Well, the, the, the easiest way, so I, I am going to soon be listed on the uh, FWC page for uh, guides. All right. You can you can find that if you Google search or go on the FWC page and search for guides. You will see Mosquito County Enterprises, LLC, and I'm on that. Or if you, uh, if you are a user of Facebook, you can find me, Mosquito County Enterprises. Or uh, if you reach out to one of the under pressures guys, they will give you my phone number. I'd give it to you, but I get plenty of calls about my solar panels <laughs> and extended warranties anyways. So <laughs> Lord knows. But uh, but yeah, there's multiple ways. It will just Google Mosquito County Enterprises. Well, I'll link that down in the podcast description so they can just click on that link and find you that way. That would be you, wonderful. sir, need a second cell phone. I got a Google voice number, actually. So 407-850-8181. Gets you a trip through the woods. Yeah. <laughs> or solar panel installation. Yeah. <laughs> and if your car has an extended warranty, you're interested in extending. Yeah. Call somebody else you saw. Me. It, it, it took me almost a year to start getting uh, the extended warranty calls on my work phone. <laughs> almost <laughs> a year. year. Almost a year having a, having it a separate cell phone that I put me the number like in for now. I, I don't even know. I don't even know the number to that cell phone off my heart. <laughs> but I still get those calls there. So. Yep. They'll find you wherever you're at. But I figure they got to be demon dialing. Just a computer that just randomly dials numbers till it gets a hotline and then probably records it. That one's real. Oh, if you answer yeah. once, you're getting calls the rest of the day, too. That's, the, that's, uh, that's uh, not true. Nope. Depends nope. on how you answer. No. Nope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. That uh, don't matter either. What's... I've been nice. I've been rude. No, I've no, been no, along no, with no. it. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The I've best silenced gig. the calls. I still get them. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the. I give you the best gig for the telemarkers before I before I let you off. All right, you get the telemarker. You let them give your spiel, and then they're like, "Well, we just need your credit card information." You're like, all right, well, hang on just a second. Put the phone on mute. See how long they'll stay there and wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let them sit. Just let them they, sit. They, they'll put you on hold for an hour and a half. See if they'll stay there for an hour and a half. I like it. He's sticking alive when he's coming back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. Cameron, thanks for joining us. It's been a great episode. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. We've enjoyed it.